Good evening. Welcome to Left Out on WRCT 88.3 FM. Left Out is reality-based independent radio broadcasting on WRCT and podcasting on the World Wide Web at leftout.info. We discuss news from the perspective left out of the mainstream media. Left Out is hosted by Bob Harper and me, Danny Slater. Oh, Bob, introduce yourself. I'm here today as usual. Great. Thank you. Today's program is produced by Matt Horniak, and listeners are, of course, invited to call at 412-268-9728 or send email to bob at leftout.info. So uh, let me make a couple of announcements. First, um, we have, uh, as usual, uh, well, just to announce one thing uh, uh, that you might not know about this program that we now have on WRCT, Law and Disorder, which is being broadcast at 9 a.m. on Monday mornings. It's an excellent program coming from the Center for Constitutional Rights about the, uh, the way in which the, uh, the, our rights are being eroded and, and the, the, the uh, encroachment of the police state in this country. That's Monday morning at 9 o'clock. And also, remember to listen to Your Health, Alternate Tuesdays, our sister program here on WRCT at 6 o'clock on Alternate Tuesdays when, w- when Left Out is not on. So, uh, oh, let me mention one other thing. We're going to have some questions later on in the program. We had this last week. We had a number of callers calling in. And uh, uh, so we can expect uh, in a little while we'll be having questions, and then you'll be invited to call in to... Uh, answer the questions, and discuss the answers with us. But before we get to that, I want to introduce David Eckhart. David, are you there? Indeed I am. Hello. Welcome to Left Out. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So uh, David is a, uh, uh, he's a professor at CMU, and he's also a judge of elections in Mount Lebanon. And he's been very active in an organization called VoteAllegheny.org, which has been working to improve the election systems here in Allegheny County. So, uh, and uh, I, I've been involved somewhat in that organization myself uh, at a, to a lesser degree than David. Um, and the main goal, I believe, of the organization, David can correct me, is to, um, so far, the, the, so far the main um, uh, activity is to get them to produce good voting machines, to purchase good voting machines. And uh, so far this has unfortunately not happened in our view. So, uh David, there's a, a little website here that I put up um, where there's a bunch of questions and, and ideas that uh, things that we could talk about today. So, um, first of all, uh, maybe you could talk about um, well, what are the most important issues that you think uh, you know uh, that you'd like to bring to the attention of our listeners? Sure. Well, so <clears throat> to start off with, Vote Allegheny is uh, concerned with election accessibility and integrity. That covers uh, having machines which are accessible for uh, by all residents of the county, including people with disabilities. And then uh, integrity aspect means that what we want is for every voter's vote to be counted exactly as it was cast. Um, so we've been interested in trying to influence the county's decision-making to buy voting machines that are both accessible uh, and secure, we have not done very well at that so far. Um, and then in addition, we're interested in sort of election day things, um, making sure that the county is doing a good job getting the machines to work as well as they can work, that voters aren't being turned away from the polls. Um, we attend <clears throat> pre-election testing of the voting machines, which so far is uh, pretty dismal, um, and then also have had representatives representatives observe tabulation of votes uh, on election night. Okay. So uh, the new machines were that all, well, those of us who voted here in Allegheny County um, are now familiar with the new machines, the iVotronic um, machines from ES&S. Um, you were a judge of elections on, on election day. How yes. was your, what was your experience like, you know, watching people try to vote on these machines? Well, it was all over the map. I mean, people who are sort of let's say under 30 and computer savvy, um, found the machines pretty much to be fun. Um, and at the other end of the scale, uh, people with um, either who were less familiar with computers, and there were multiple people who came into my polling place and said, I have never used a computer in my life. I have never used a cash machine in my life. I don't you know, have a VCR. I don't understand how any of this works. Those people had some serious problems. Also, uh, people with uh, various 
disabilities in my polling place very minor. Um, some people have a little bit of uh, shake in a hand, which makes it hard to hit the right spot on a touch screen. Uh, we had one gentleman uh, who has some trouble standing, so I brought him a chair. If you sit down on a chair in front of an Ivotronic, it's you have to have extremely long arms if you're going to reach up and hit the vote button at the top of the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that, you know, pervasively, if you stand in front of these things for a day, um, and you know, 460 times approximately on Tuesday, I went through the little my little explanation for the voter of how to use the machines. There are all sorts of things that you'd like better, which you feel like if they were perhaps more professionally evaluated, they would have. One thing is um, to get started, right? When I arm the machine for a voter, what comes up is an instruction screen, which is not that well designed. But for the voter to start voting, they have to press a button at the bottom of the screen. And, well, I'll, you know, you might think that the button at the start of the screen would say something like start, Right? Mm-hmm, right, and in fact, by the end of the day, I would have paid probably several hundred dollars <laughs> out of my own pocket if I could have had the button at the bottom of the screen say start. Instead, what it says is view ballot. Okay, and for someone who's never used a computer in their life, the idea that already we have the idea that there are multiple screens, right, that's kind of confusing. The idea that one part of the screen for a while says next screen, and then it's suddenly going to change and say uh, review, right? People are not people are not used to that. I got a lot of questions from all sorts of people um, saying, "How do I start?" You know, and I think a start button would have been helpful. Yeah, well, these are issues that are of uh, of course should be should have been addressed and, and should be addressed. But of course, the main sort of concern that we all had in in, in vote Allegheny had to do with the non auditability of the of the machines themselves and, and not about the user interface part of it is there, i would at least that's my my the way of looking at it well there now there were other problems that we had this this past week so for example uh there were there were districts where the poll workers were not able to get the machines started up in the morning um at least one i mean i can point to uh this is uh pittsburgh fifth ward fourth district van school in the hill district the machines were not open by 8:45 in the morning which is an hour and 45 minutes after they have to be. Wow. And wow. people people have work schedules and if you have to be at work, you know, for most of the day um into the night, then you may not be able to come back, right? If you have to travel some distance right, of to work. So, even before we worry about whether the machines are accurately recording the votes, um repeatedly people in this is now two elections um, there are long delays in some places with getting the machines working. How is the uh, how is the Post Gazette or other local media covered this issue? Well, it depends. Um, for example, we there was a very nice uh, article in the city paper um, about a week before the election, written by Marty Levine. Um, the more the two big papers, the Post Gazette and the Tribune Review, <clears throat> to my taste sort of, they tend to report what county officials say is happening. Mm-hmm. And so if Dan Honorado, who's the county executive, says that it went smoothly, then the Post-Gazette will report that Dan Honorado says it went smoothly. Um, there was at least one case that I'm aware of where it went very non-smoothly. In Upper St. Clair, which is a suburb to the south of Pittsburgh, um, at the end of the night, the poll workers tried to get the the votes off the machines and onto a printout um, to return them to the county tabulation center, and they couldn't. And they called for the voting machine mechanic to come, and the voting machine mechanic could not get the votes off the machines. And at that point, apparently, to the best of my knowledge, the machines, everything, all the voting materials for that place were loaded into the voting machine mechanic's car and driven off into the night, you know, to turn up downtown um, to have the votes extracted. To me, if you're concerned about the integrity of the system, um, that bothers you because, I mean, according to the the standard procedure, um, there are supposed to be four copies of the results uh, 
printed out onto paper for the machines. One of them is posted on the wall for the public to look at on election night. You know, one of them goes home with one of the poll workers in case, you know, an asteroid lands on the, uh, the county's, you know, election tabulation center and so on. And none of those checks or balances happen when all of the voting machines go into the back of one person's car. Right. Okay, that was Upper St. Clair, and there was something wrong with the... Something went wrong technically, and then they deviated from the appropriate procedure somehow. We don't know. So later in the night, the people at the tabulation center reported that the machines turned up and someone pulled votes off of them using an an unusual (coughs) sort of non-standard procedure. But what we... But the point is that this is not, to my knowledge, in the Post-Gazette or the Trib. Mm-hmm. That okay. is, on election night, you know, the, the word from the county was, you know, everything went smoothly. So, and not everything went smoothly. We don't yet know what didn't go smoothly because the county has not issued a report. So there are a bunch of other uh, things here, that topics I listed. Uh, maybe we could just pick one or two of these things. Let me mention them right now. Uh, there was a um, the notion that the use of these keychain USB memory cards. Um, there was the use of the COBOL programming language. There was the issue of the logic and accuracy test that, that there were supposed to be observers there, but the county has been basically trying to uh, working strenuously to block transparency of this ac- ac- logic and accuracy test. Um, those are all issues that I have here on my list. So the keychain drive thing, <clears throat> I think what I would say is... So this is know, where they plug a memory, uh, a USB memory chip, uh, you know, whatever they call it, in drive into the machine, and it extracts the information from the voting machine? So, okay. They're supposed to do that? Yeah, computer security is really complicated, and it involves a mixture of technology and paranoia and, you know, sort of technical details. Um, the county, to my, as I see it, is not really used to doing this kind of thing. So in the spring election, the computers that were running the vote tabulation had installed on them a software package called PC Anywhere. PC Anywhere's sole purpose is either to use a computer to manipulate another computer or to allow a remote computer to manipulate this computer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? So that, that is so wrong. Okay, to have that software on the machine, it's hard to describe. This time, though, a week before the election, PC Anywhere was still on the machines. We were assured that it would be gone by election day. This time, the security issues were related to um, uncontrolled, you know, devices wandering around containing software. And so the particular problem was that the machines running the tabulation software were not configured to... Um, be cautious about floppy disks or CD-ROMs or USB disks that were inserted into them, but instead to do the standard default thing where when you plug something in, like a game, the installer starts running. And so, Right, right. That, that's a, lot of, a lot of times that happens when you plug something in. It, it goes through a pro- initiation process which can pra- do practically anything depending on whatever the application is that you're attaching. Right, and so what was going on was that they were... Several times during the night, they were moving data around. Uh, one case was they were taking some live vote data from the system and giving it to um, an ESNS employee who was working on writing a program to do data analysis. Okay, and so obviously the way that you test a data analysis program um, is on actual data. And so what they were doing was they were shuttling back and forth from the system you know, sort of sub-parts of the live system data onto this guy's laptop. And the first time they went to do this, they plugged in a handy USB disk into one of the tabulation machines, and it started installing uh, fancy special USB disk software, and they had to sort of hurriedly cancel that out. And, you know, there are basically two things wrong with this. One thing wrong is that Windows shouldn't have been configured to auto-run installers, and the other thing is that in a situation like that, you shouldn't have random, unknown um, media running around in the system, right? You should have, be using only the media that have been, you know, checked to be compatible with the machines and that don't have viruses on them and, and things like that. 
Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's. Uh, the problem is if you have a voting system that's based on machines with gears, right? You know, it's hard for for that kind of thing to to sort of rear up and bite you with malicious software. <laughs> and I think that there's no remote login. Right. There's no remote login. <laughs> right. And so the problem is that these machines and the tabulation system are really much more complicated than the old machines. And the aside from the structural issue of is the voter's vote verifiable, even if that were the case. The whole system really has become much more complicated, and I don't think that the, the county is yet up to speed on the necessary kinds of paranoia. So we're talking to David Eckhart, who is a elections, judge of elections and also a very um, interested and knowledgeable about voting machines and what happened in the election uh, last Tuesday. You can give us a call at 412-268-9728. So, David... Uh, You've been following also some problems with uh, in this election and other localities, and particularly there's, a, there's some issues that have come up in Florida. Yeah, right now the poster child yeah. um, is Sarasota County, Florida, where, as it happens, uh, they're also using Ivotronics. Many of the problems, though, come up over and over again with uh, machines from different vendors. Basically, there's an anomaly in Sarasota County um, and we don't yet know what happened. There are multiple theories, but the, there was dramatic undervoting in one race, the race for U.S. House. And what an undervote is, is when a voter walks into uh, a voting booth, or these days stands in front of a machine, and um, chooses candidates for some of the races, um, but not for all of them. And of course, sometimes undervoting is normal and harmless, right, in a situation where you know, there's a presidential election and dog catchers on the ballot, okay? Some people just aren't going to vote for dog catcher. But if the reverse happens, that if you have thousands of people who turn up and vote for dog catcher but skip the vote for president, then you suspect that something is going wrong. In this particular case, there was um, a race for the U.S. House, and the undervote rate was approximately 13%. Okay, and that's very unusual. Thirteen percent for which which uh, office was that? This is the the yeah, U.S. House. Yeah. Okay, the Congress. Okay, right. So a, 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 a normal kind of undervote for that sort of race would be one to three percent. Okay, and so thirteen percent, depending on how you do the math, is you know three to ten times too high. And the interesting thing, so so one possible explanation is, you know what, voters just didn't want to vote for U.S. House this time, but there are issues. The reasons to believe that that's not what happened. Okay, one thing is the absentee ballots, which were mailed in in advance, people filled out on paper. The undervote rate was approximately 3%. Okay, that's a normal undervote rate. And so then you have to say, well, the people who voted absentee are all very diligent, politically active, and none of the, you know, the people who stood in front of the machines, they were all just not paying attention. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. But it well, turns out that we have more data oh, that sir. this U.S. House race wasn't just in Sarasota County. It was also in a couple adjacent counties, such as Manatee County. And in Manatee County, uh, people vote using on Election Day using uh, pieces of paper that are optically scanned. And the undervote rate in Manatee was approximately 3%. Mm -hmm. So okay. now it's not about absentee versus election day. It's starting to look like it's about, you know, did you vote on paper or did you vote on Ivotronic? And so then there are various conflicting reports from voters. Some people say that um, they voted in the House race, and then when they went to the summary screen that their, the vote for the House race wasn't turning up. Some people said that, you know, they didn't see it at all. It wasn't displayed for them. We don't know yet what went wrong. The right thing to do, of course, would be to impound all the machines and, you know, turn them on and try them out, um, and that's going to take weeks. But this is, and of course, it is also still possible that just, you know, the people in Sarasota County, unlike Manatee County and so on, decided not to vote for U.S. House. It's looking, it's looking to me less and less like that's a plausible explanation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what will what will, what what is the procedure? What's going to be the outcome of this? Well, okay, you know, in the old days, if you had if you have paper mm. ballots, then what you do is you pull the paper out and you say, "Look, son of a gun, 
you know, 13% of the people just didn't market X here. Or what you do is you look and you say, for some reason, people made the wrong kind of X or the wrong kind of circle or whatever. The problem here is that we don't have a paper trail, and they don't have that in Sarasota County. And so you can ask the machines again, you know, hey, look, what happened? But the machines are going to tell you only what they recorded on Election Day. Right? There's, there's not really much new data there. Um, you can, you know, what can you do? Right? What you can do is you can impound the machines and try to have them examined, and maybe you can observe the same mistakes. Um, there's some speculation that, at least in some of the areas, um, that the that race was placed in a confusing part of the screen, right? And maybe you know you'll be able to come to a judgment about that. It's hard to say. Okay. Uh, well. So one thing I wanted to ask you, David, is uh, recently the county board of elections met. I think uh, just earlier, uh, just last week, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and so what did the, was there, were any of these problems, uh, returning to the Pittsburgh area or the Allegheny County anyway, uh, were these problems reported to them, and what are they doing about it? So I was, unfortunately, the meeting was Monday, um, which is a day when I teach a lot. I see. So I was not present. Um, my understanding from people who were there. I'm sorry, is, you're breaking up. Uh, let's try again. My understanding uh, from people who were there is that a variety of issues were discussed um, but the, the county, the county was essentially in a mode of receiving questions and complaints, um, but not yet responding to them. Uh, I see. So they were just were, uh, <coughs> excuse me, they were just sitting there while people lined up and told their stories. No, no. So, for example, Vote Allegheny um, prepared a list of, you know, twenty uh, some mm -hmm. questions on paper, mm -hmm. um, and we pre we presented uh, that to them. And yeah, people were people were airing concerns, mm -hmm. but for for some of the issues, um, it's not. You know, I don't think that they probably even know yet. You know, the list of what all the opening times were for all the machines and so on, um, and what all the what all the issues were. It takes at least last time in May, the the trouble logs were um, you know on paper mixture of paper filled out by the dispatcher and paper filled out by the mechanics and so on. You know, it. I'm not surprised that it takes a while to sift through all that and get answers. Unfortunately, the key answers that many of us would like, um, things like, by what date um, are we going to have voter verifiable uh, paper ballots? Now this was my next question. Right. Mm -hmm. So we're not getting an answer to that question. I mean, uh -huh. the, the closest to an answer to that is... Um, the county has said several times, when the state passes a voter verifiable paper ballot law, then Allegheny County will, of course, comply with it. So, in other words, the county will not insist on it itself. Um, I see no sign of that, and the repeated statement from the county was that when the state passes a law, that they will comply with it. I see. Well, I think that that's really uh, awful, as you as you know. I mean, several members of the county council insisted that they thought that. Uh, but a verifiable paper trail was the way to go in the run-up to all of this to comply with HAVA. And as far as I can tell, uh, that was all just uh, hot air. And we, uh, we could have purchased precinct counted optical scan with the uh, mm -hmm. AutoMark ballot marking device for people with disabilities. Right. Um, several counties in Pennsylvania did actually purchase those systems. It's a perfectly sensible thing to do. It's it's. We could have today, in fact, we could have had in May a voter verifiable paper trail in the form of actual paper ballots. And it was a choice by um, the Board of Elections, which is Dan Honorado and uh, John DeFazio um, chose. Dave, Dave Fawcett, no? Dave Fawcett uh, voted for uh, optical scan. Mm -hmm. oh, it, was, good for him. it was two to one on the Board of Elections vote. So, you know. It was a it was a conscious decision to have the systems we have, um, instead of systems where the focus was on auditability. Yeah, uh, I think this is uh, terrible. If I may register my opinion on the air, and I'm ashamed of the county for not uh, for ignoring all of the work that uh, people have been put into it nationwide, including you, especially uh, locally, to uh, try to educate them and inform them about the. Uh, dangers of uh, these machines and why they would go for these machines, I have no idea. 
I do remember that time the decision was made, the, edit, the Post-Gazette editorial page uh, was endorsing uh, hurry up and do. They, they considered the issue to be whether or not we have touchscreen voting machines, which completely begs the question. The issue is not touchscreen voting machines at all. There's nothing special about touchscreen. The, the issue, as you rightly point out, in my opinion, is auditability, and they went away. They uh, do not have auditability, and I must say I'm rather incensed about it. And uh, come next election, we should keep this in mind for uh, county for our county officials. We should keep this in mind. John DeFazio, Dan Honorado did not support this reasonable and sensible uh, position, and uh, I would certainly don't know the reason why. So I think uh, we should try to bear that in mind. Let me ask another question, Dave. Um, uh, many people, I, I think this is, in, in, according to some measures, I mean, the, the things you've mentioned so far, I think, are much more important. But one thing that did come up very frequently uh, from people uh, is, uh, is, uh, is the issue of uh, their own personal privacy in voting with these new machines, which is sort of a, <laughs> a, a different phrase, than, a different meaning than secret ballot. Look, uh, there's an yeah. excellent little piece in the Post-Gazette today where it says that at, at Monday's meeting this was discussed, okay, and the mm-hmm. basic answer from the county is we can move the machines around a little bit, but you're going to have to lump it when it comes to the real privacy of having a voting booth. Okay? So this is nonsense. I mean, and this what's is interesting a- about this is it's actually sort of fundamental. <laughs> the problem with these machines is they're actually delicate. You can't let a voter alone with one of these machines for a long period of time unobserved because the memory card slot is on the top and easy to get at. It's fairly easy. I mean, at least other models, such as the Diebold TS, it's pretty easy to hijack these machines if you can be alone for as little as four minutes with the machine. And so the county actually can't really put these things into private booths because then people would have too much access to them. That's unbelievable. I mean, that's an incredible state of affairs. I just want to point out that if we were voting on paper ballots, then you could have people more or less, you know, climb into caves or whatever, um, as long as they would come out with exactly one paper ballot, right? That's the end of it. That's right. And so these systems sort of, unfortunately, structurally have to have a little bit less privacy than people are used to. That's uh, amazing, and uh, I know that I personally was irritated by the fact that all sorts of people were crawling behind me and so forth while I was voting. And, you know, to be honest, I don't care. I'm happy to tell everyone who I voted for. Uh, that's not so much the you issue. Have many times. Uh, and I have many times. Uh, however, uh, the <laughs> that's quite true. But still, there's a fundamental principle here, and it's ridiculous that this preposterously brittle and inappropriate technology is having also such effects as to preventing us from having even the elementary guarantees of privacy that we've always had in voting up till now. Yeah, I mean... The tail is is wagging the dog. Yeah, it is. I mean, and the truth is, it is is possible to imagine even, you know, electronic voting machines that were more physically secure, but none of this first round of them appear to be that way. You know, it, I don't know, you look at these things and it's hard to, it's hard to feel like, you know, they were done in consultation with computer security experts and, you know, graphic user interface design experts and so on. No, no doubt, no doubt they were not. Well, I think I know that your time is short, uh, David, so uh, thank you very much for being on Left Out. Uh, hopefully, uh, good luck with your work on the Alleg- uh, Vote Allegheny. Uh, the link to the webpage for your organization is on the leftout.info webpage. As usual, uh, I think these people, including Dave Eckhart, are doing great work on behalf of all of us, and uh, I think I encourage our listeners to not only pay attention to but to contribute as well. Thank you for appearing on Left Out, David Eckhart. Thanks for having me. Uh, so before we go to a break, uh, Danny, I think, has, uh, we'd like yeah. to, to discuss a well, few of our questions for our listeners. Yeah, why don't we just, um, well, first of all, this is left out on WRCT. If you want to give us a call, uh, the number is 412-268-9728. Well, I'll read a couple of questions. We have three questions today for our listeners, and uh, well, then we'll have a musical break, and then we'll come back and discuss the, the answers to the questions. So uh, <clears throat> question number one is, According to the Bush administration's reading of the new Military Commissions Act, which was passed a couple of weeks ago, how long can the Bush administration hold an immigrant who is taken in into custody 
without charge? That's the question number one. How long can they hold without charge a person who's an immigrant? Question number two. Um, the Kyoto Accord was, has been ratified by 163 nations starting in 1998. Its purpose is to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. The emissions grew between 1990 and 1999 by 0.8%. The total emissions, the rate of emissions, the amount of emissions grew during that. The rate of emissions grew by 0.8% during the, those nine years. How much did they grow between 2000 and 2005? That's only five years. That's question number two. Question number three is, what major corporation has continued to fund PR groups that attempt to debunk global warming? That's question number three. So uh, let me see what we've got here. Is there a... Oh, yes. Well, why don't we go to a musical break, and then you can give us a call at uh, 412-268-9728 for, um, for the discussion of the questions. Yes, and we have one... Co- uh, go ahead. Caller will hold... Well, we have a caller one caller on the line. Why don't we hear, we'll, hold hold. And, yeah. we'll hold until after the, after the music. Okay. Uh, a brief uh, musical inter- interlude uh, featuring the happy tones uh, playing I Hate Republicans, which I would claim is the theme song for the nation at the moment. We'll get back to that uh, momentarily. However, from before the break, we have a caller on the line named Chip who wishes to talk about the uh, voter, uh, the uh, voting uh, voting machine uh, problems that we were just talking about with David Eckhart. Chip, if you're still on the line, please go ahead. I am. Thank you for holding on for that. No problem. Um, 
your uh, uh, your discussion person there. I didn't catch his name. David Eckhart. The uh, lack of uh, privacy with the new voting machines, mm -hmm. and the fact that you need only a couple of minutes with some of these machines to tamper with them. Uh, the reality is that even in the open, as they tend to be these days, it's not hard to tamper with them. You can take one of those machines down, I would expect. I haven't tried it. Wouldn't want to, personally. But they're computers. All you need is a reasonably powerful magnet, which you can hold in your hand, wipe <laughs> over the machine if you work on as you're voting. And who actually knows what you would do at that point? Yeah, that's a that's a really I you know that's a very disturbing a very disturbing question. Uh, I don't know the answer to that myself. Uh, would it be possible, for example, to destroy all of the votes that were cast prior to that happening? Well, supposedly, supposedly they stored in multiple media inside the machine. I, I really don't know that whether it's trustable or not. Well, you could easily you could probably at least crash the machine. Whether you could. Uh, uh, damage the the actual say uh, flash drive or whatever it is they use for mm. storage media. That's for uh, sure. I'm not certain about because it depends upon how far and how strong your magnet mm. was. But if you tear apart a hard drive, you get some pretty decently strong magnets. Uh, I'm not sure whether you're. Uh, it seems to me you're breaking up. I'm not sure if you're uh, going yeah, out on, on the air chip. Uh, I think you may be on a cell phone. Uh, yes, I am on a cell. I'm unable to hear you. So if you uh, catch this on delay, I, I, I can hear him. You can hear. Oh, okay, go yeah. ahead. Then I can't. Yeah. Um, well, like I was saying, I don't know if you can still hear me or not. But mm -hmm. uh, yes, uh, that's fine. Thanks. You can pick up a reasonably powerful magnet simply tearing apart a hard drive. And they're flat. They fit in the palm of your hand. Wipe it over the back or the front or the top of the machine as you go to vote or hold it in your hand as you're pushing the front of the screen. Yeah, I see. To say what effect that would have. Okay. Well, uh, that's that's an interesting interesting point, and I, none of us have any technical knowledge about about how to answer that that concern. But it does sound like a concern that's related to what we talked about before. So, uh, uh, any other comments on that, or we'll go on to our questions. Well, I think the uh, the the real solution to all of the e voting in a lot of places, and it sounds to me as if Allegheny County and Pennsylvania in general. Um, are objectionable to it is the paper trail uh, that is voter verifiable. Well, we agree with you, and we've uh, <coughs> promoted that on Left Out for a couple of years. And, in fact, Danny and I uh, personally were down and spoke before the Allegheny County Council about a year ago on this issue. Uh, they said all the right things in public, but they obviously did all of the wrong things when the decision came in. Yeah, and there's a bill uh, uh, from the House of Representatives uh, HR 15, uh, HR 550, by Rush Holt of New Jersey, which would uh, make a mandatory nationally mandatory paper trail, and uh, this um, this is apparently going to be reconsidered and re-entered into the new uh, wow. Democratic Congress. Well, so, call your congressman and support HR 550. Then I yeah. think is the right thing to do. So, Chip, thank you very much for calling. Left out. Okay, so uh, we can go back to talking about our questions then. Um, before the break, we asked a bunch of questions um, that uh, that uh, we, we want to talk about here. Um, first one is uh, about the new Military Commissions Act that was signed by uh, George W. Bush uh, a couple of weeks ago. And the question was, uh, how long can um, the government hold an immigrant uh, without charge? Any guesses, Bob? Uh, I looked at the answers. Oh, you looked at the answers. Yeah, I'm, you cheated. I'm cheating. I'm cheating. Okay. How long can the Bush administration hold an immigrant okay. without charge? Yes, our producer has uh, has told me the answer. It's forever. The answer so, is forever. Oh my right. god! Right. They don't need to charge you um, charge you with anything. So this is the United States of this America. This is the this is the beginning of the police state. As I mentioned, the um, uh, the program uh, Law and Disorder that's on every Monday morning. Um, at nine o'clock, uh, talks about this, this, and many other issues. I, rem um, I remember when we were growing up, uh, that you know, during the Cold War, that there was one of the standard uh, raps against the Soviet Union was always, you know, in the Soviet Union, they lock people up forever just because they're politically, <laughs> yeah, they are politically incorrect that they don't have correct political views. Uh -huh. The uh, the uh, the government just decides right. that um, for whatever reason that they'll just lock people up. And we, it would became, you know, it was a part of a rallying cry in the Cold War, and it became a kind of, you know, we would ridicule 
uh, those uh, those poor poor benighted bastards in there in the, the Soviet Union for their behavior. But look at look at what happens. And mm-hmm. now who's engaging in tor- torture and operating secret uh, torture camps around the world? Uh, but the United States of America under the Republicans. So uh, if you want to give us a call to talk about these and any other issues, uh, it's 412-268-9728. So the second question had to do with the Kyoto Accord. Um, oh, we have a sounds like we have we may have a caller on the line. I don't want to answer the question if the uh, if the caller is going to take a stab it. at it. I'll read the question again. Uh, the Kyoto Accord uh, was ratif- has, has been ratified by 163 nations, not the United States, of course. Um, it's many nations have joined in over over time, starting from 1998, <laughs> um, and its purpose is to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. And uh, the rate of growth of emissions from 1990 to 1999 was 0.8. How much did it increase between 2000 and 2005? So um, it doesn't look like we have the caller. Is so we'll just go ahead with um, we'll go ahead with uh, our answer to this, which is the answer was 3.2 percent. In other words, it's basically um, growing at a much much faster rate, and that was only for five years. So it's growing at something like ten times the rate that it had been before. Um, so this is really disturbing, and it has to do with probably with uh, countries like China, India, India going online, the fact that we're using more SUVs in this, in this country, uh, just a general lack of uh, conservation, our attitude toward conserving things. And um, if we link to an article here on our left out, well, we will later. It's not there yet, but we'll link to it later. Um, an article uh, from The Independent in the U.K. that uh just has a number of quotes from experts, things like, this is a very worrying sign and indicates that recent efforts to reduce emissions have had virtually no impact on emissions growth and that effective caps are urgently needed. And it goes on to talk about the consequences and the time frame in which, in which this disaster is going to, going to um, unfold. And the question I, I, I have is just, I mean, this is just <coughs> what I wrote here on my webpage is it says, it's really looking like this human, humanity-destroying catastrophe is going to happen in our lifetime or certainly within our children's lifetimes. How will this destruction of society unfold? So I don't know what is going to happen, but as, as the environment changes, as the climate changes dramatically, uh, there will be all kinds of effects. So do we have a caller on we the line We have a caller now? on the line. We have uh, Brian, who is calling from Squirrel Hill. Uh, go ahead. You're welcome to Left Out, Brian. Uh, is the caller there? Brian, are you there? Sounds like Brian is uh, not really there. <laughs> uh, someone is on the so, line. Someone's but, on uh, the line, but he's, he's just like playing with his phone. So, uh, Brian, okay. give us a, give us a call back again if you uh, if you um, can get your phone working properly. Okay, so uh, you know, I don't know what I don't know what this is gonna gonna you know look like, but I mean if. We have the kind of weather changes, and we have the kind of, um, you know, uh, consequences. I, I mean, it's just going to I mean, probably the first thing the econo- the economy will, will will collapse, and then uh, probably basically there'll be anarchy. Every the, the most valuable thing to have is a gun. So I'm just I'm just thinking the most you know what's <laughs> there's the people run out of food, and you know there's no energy that you know um, becomes total anarchy. Population of the world will decrease by you know several orders of magnitude back to totally primitive tribes. Um, so that that's that's my uh, my rosy scenario. Well, I'm, I'm, for looking, the next I'm looking. Years. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, meanwhile, <laughs> uh, meanwhile, though, our uh, the Republicans will be certainly making plenty of money uh, off of their uh, off of their various businesses. Uh, until then, that's all that matters. Yeah, so you had a third question, I think. Right, third question was um, have again having to do with the climate change issue. The um, question was, what major U.S. corporation has continued to fund PR groups that attempt to debunk global warming? Okay, so we have another call on the line. I think it's Chip calling back. <laughs> go uh, ahead. I didn't hear that third question. Uh, okay, go ahead. Chip, I'll, just, the, the, I'll repeat the question, and then we'll hear your comment, which is simply, the uh, what major U.S. corporation has continued to fund PR groups that attempt to debunk global warming? Um. 
I would say that uh, any PR group that happened to have Carl Rove as a member of his board. <laughs> that may be true. I'm not sure whether we whether we know of that or not. So, Danny, what corporation? Yeah, the corporation I'm thinking about is Exxon. So Exxon has, has uh, funded um, bogus science. They funded scientists who are trying to refute the phenomenon of global warming and the fact that it's caused by human activity in using Exxon's product. Um, and, uh, Makes sense. Yeah. So did you have a well, – I've got more to say about that, but I'd like, to, I'd like to hear your comment if you have anything else or before you yeah, call uh, in about something. Yeah, a couple something. of uh, observations. Uh, on your first question about the uh, – uh, the Immigration, the Military uh, Commission Act. Military Commission Act. Yeah. Uh, an observation on that is they want to build a 700 mile long fence, <laughs> call, it a, call it a wall, because that's what it's supposed to be, along the uh, uh, Mexican border. Right. Now, uh, if you think about it, a fence or a wall actually has basically two sides. And the real question is is that fence designed to keep uh, immigrants out or to keep us in? <laughs> <laughs> that was always the question about the Berlin Wall, for example. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that, was, that one was actually fairly obvious. This yeah. one, because it hasn't been implemented yet, isn't quite as obvious. It's also a 700-mile long wall that, for which, although the legislation was signed, no funding was provided. And moreover, it's about a 2,000-mile border. So it's not uh, clear to me what the 700-mile wall is doing other than uh, providing a little uh, cover during the campaign, election yeah, just, campaign. Yeah, just, a, just a, cheap, a cheap election uh, electioneering uh, Stunt. I don't think they're ever going to actually build the wall. Uh, I would hope not, to be honest with you, but you never know. Right. Um, the second thing was about the uh, global warming Kyoto Protocol mm -hmm. and uh, CO2 levels. Mm -hmm. uh, the CO2 levels actually are, while they are a significant worry, there are other occurrences that are directly and indirectly related to that. Um, one is that the Gulf Stream, which is the, they call it the, the Atlantic Conveyor Belt, Right. Uh, which pushes uh, warm water from the southern, southern Atlantic or mid-Atlantic north towards Iceland and uh, provides a significant amount of heat for Great Britain and Europe, which keeps them from being underneath uh, a good deal of snow in, in the winter. Right. Um, apparently, the flow rate of that particular conveyor belt has recently dropped by as much as 30%. Um, the, the suggestion is that that conveyor belt actually stops that most of uh, northern Europe will have weather similar to Canada, I would expect, which would have a uh, detrimental effect on crops, um, making, it, making it very hard to feed the uh, population of Europe. Yeah. Uh, additionally, they're finding that both in um, the Canadian and Alaskan tundra, as well as in the, uh, as well as in the um, uh, uh, Russian... Uh, I can't think of the word of it right now, Siberian area, mm -hmm. in their tundra, mm -hmm. uh, that the global warming that's already occurring is melting the permafrost, which is allowing peat, uh, peat beds to start to thaw. Right, which, with, which puts out a lot of, a lot of extra greenhouse gases, right? Uh, it's, yeah, it's methane, actually. So it's a positive feedback. about billions of tons of methane um, being released into the atmosphere because of this. And methane is about a 20-time greater uh, greenhouse gas than the same quantity of CO2. So here, here's a question, Chip. Your name is Chip, right? Yeah. So what uh, what could what could could be done? I mean, it, it's once once okay. The first thing that happens is there's got to be a public awareness of this of this <coughs> this unfolding catastrophe. Let's assume that happens mm. miraculously. Well, uh, assuming, that the, assuming that we hit that tipping point, which... Is, so, something has know. to happen in the United States, for example, and other major countries, which really shows that this is just out of control and that the the, the, the entire planet is at risk. Um, and, and when that happens, now, could, could, could there be a giant sort of reversal project which actually sucks in CO2, uses nuclear energy? To suck in the CO two and can you know um, split split I, it I, off with and put it to carbon and, and, and oxygen and uh, read, do that I've by you know, nothing, trillions of tons. I've read of nothing that uh, nothing. I've read of no project that most people consider to be feasible. That is the the scientific community uh, that will reverse what's there now. Um, there are ideas about sequestering CO two. Um, say, for an example, at a uh, subduction zone where it would be sucked down into the crust, mm -hmm. um, but eventually it will be released. But 
uh, but that may take hundreds or hundreds, thousands, or even millions of years for it to occur. Um, the real issue at this point is to stop increasing the CO2 levels uh, and allow the natural, uh, allow a balance to occur and, and stabilize things to start with before you start looking at trying to, re to actually reduce CO2 slash methane levels. Um, I think we have a big enough problem just trying to stabilize the CO2 levels. Yeah. Um, okay. Right. Well, thanks very much, Chip, for, for calling us up. And, and you were uh, asking about what some of the effects might be, and yes. I'm sure you've heard of them. Go ahead. Uh, depending upon how far and how carried away the, the greenhouse spiral gets, um, if, for example, the Greenland ice sheet melts, which it, it seems to be doing, um, you're talking about something around, I think it's like 10 meters. I, I may be mistaken here. I may be exaggerating, but I think it's like 10 meters of sea level rise. Uh, if you get a 10-meter sea level rise, uh, you can you can basically say goodbye to Holland, to New Orleans, to New York City, probably to Los Angeles, uh, to Tokyo. You can pretty much point to all the major metropolitan areas, and with a 10-meter rise in uh, ocean levels, you can pretty much kiss most of those cities goodbye because they sit right on the ocean. They sit within 10 meters yeah. of, uh, of sea level. Not to mention 10 meters Venice. is about 30 feet, 30, about a little more than that, about 33 feet. Yeah. So, you know, that's three and a half stories of water level rise, and that's a lot of water. Well, we're running a little short on time. Uh, thank you very oh, much I'm for sorry. those. No that's problem. no problem. Thank you very much for calling in. Thanks for those comments. We have only a couple of minutes remaining. So uh, one thing that Danny touched on the, uh, a moment ago uh, was a, a segment that was on Democracy Now! this morning about uh, video news releases, which we have covered uh, previously on Left Out, which is the practice of uh, corporations funding uh, funding uh, so-called news segments, segments, uh, little documentary segments, supposedly, or human interest segments that are then sold and distributed around the country to local uh, news outlets who play them as straight news as if they were uh, even, uh, in many cases, is even if they were yeah. done by their own, as if they were done by their own reporters as honest journalism, when in fact they're nothing other than just right. elaborate product placements, for example, or propaganda pieces, it, whether it's funded by Exxon or whether it's uh, they had many by medical uh, uh, medical device and pharmaceutical companies. Uh, they have one are, about the, the global warming issue as well. Global warming, yeah. of course, yes, very much And that so. was one of the ones that was funded by one of these Exxon, um, uh, Exxon mm -hmm. PR groups indirectly. Yeah, that's right. It was funding this so-called so, research. So there's a... A website called stopfakenews.org, uh, one word, stopfakenews.org, uh, which uh, documents the efforts by the Center for Media and, and Democracy uh, to uh, to at least insist that uh, that uh, television uh, stations uh, own up to when they're using VNRs and when these things are actually uh, provided uh, provided pieces, set pieces that they're playing rather than uh, original news, original reporting. Yeah, it's it's, it's really outrageous and and. The, the the democracy now tried mm -hmm. to get a lot of the stations. They invited all of these stations to come and defend themselves, and they Which all they refused. Would not do. Yeah, none no of them. Doubt. None of them showed up. Well, uh, we're just about at the end of the hour for uh, this week's Left Out. I trust that many of our listeners are happy about the uh, election outcome. Let's uh, let's uh, hope that let's uh, not uh, uh, relax. Let's pay attention to what the Congress is doing and try to move the country forward. Hopefully, we can uh, get over this long nightmare of uh, Republican. Whack job, not domination uh -huh. of our of our of our uh, of our, our nation. Uh, we'll hear. We'll hope to see you in two weeks' time. Uh, uh, we'll be back then. Thanks for listening.